Welcome to the Radio Plasma Podcast, a space dedicated to the exchange of ideas, conversations, stories, music, performances, and randomness. Listen at radioplasma.com. Also, we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, and Stitcher. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashi Vega. And today, we're going to talk about journalism, local news, local youth journalism, with the person responsible of a very important body in our city, the Holyoke High Herald. I want to welcome to the Radio Plasma podcast, Joe Shane. Hi, thanks for having me. Hello, Joe, and thank you for being here with us today. I want to recognize the work that you have been doing for several years running the Holyoke Herald and helping youth to get familiar with what journalism is and to continue that growth as part of their professional development. Thank you. Um, I don't take that responsibility lightly. I think over the past couple of years, we've built up a really solid program within the schools. I think it's something that makes learning even just a little more relevant for the students. And I think we've got a lot of community support growing for it. Um, when we have events, people show up, people share our things on social media. So I also want to thank people like you and the community at large for supporting us, right? Because we could be doing this in a vacuum and it wouldn't be very meaningful, but people have really embraced it. So I appreciate that. I'm curious about the progress of the Holyoke Herald since you took charge of it. So if we can get to know a little bit about that backstory. Right. So um, actually, to, to really answer that question, I think we have to go way back, like 15 years, to when I was in high school and I was a member of the Herald. It was a phenomenal class. It was one of the best experiences I had in high school. I made a lot of really wonderful friends as a member of the Herald. I'm, um, two of them are going to be my groomsmen in a couple of weeks, and that was 15 years ago. So that tells you the connections we made. And so back then, we produced four newspapers a year. Um, it was really the old-fashioned way. We, we stuck primarily to journalism. Um, we did some things like radio projects and things, like podcasting wasn't a thing yet, so we couldn't do that. And then flash forward 12 years or so, um, when I returned to Hoyoke High School as a teacher, it was primarily the same thing. It was an old, I don't want to say old-fashioned, but it, it was old-style newspaper, print. Students wrote stories for four issues a year and um, tried to meet their deadlines. And that's cool, and I have nothing against old, hard-copy newspapers. But what I did notice is that it wasn't terribly relevant to the students. Um, they were proud of their work, but there was no way for them to cover a story in a timely fashion. So a newspaper coming out at the end of October, beginning of November, might have a story, for example, about the new principal, but by then, people knew, right? So the other issue I saw was that they were taking the hard copies, and there was some, like some of them, they brought some of them to City Hall and gave them to city officials, and I'm sure those got read. But primarily, they were handed out in lunch, and students gave it a glance over, and then ended up left on the table. So students were producing content, but there wasn't an audience, and... The lack of an audience didn't make it real for them. So one of the things that we've done is we've gone to an online platform. This is nice because, one, students can cover things in a timely fashion. They can feel like what they're writing about is still relevant. And two, they can see automatic feedback, right? Like I can check um, the Herald Facebook and I can see how many people clicked on the link, how many people read it, how many people even saw it. People can leave comments. And that has helped the students take a little bit more ownership of it. 
I know there are some people out there who are disappointed that there's not a hard copy anymore. And I hope that in the future we'll be able to do maybe some best of end of the year um, hard copy editions. But as of right now, partially for cost reasons, but partially just because it makes the pro, I think it improves the program to have it in an online format. Um, and that's, I think, the biggest change that has happened. Also, embracing social media. Um, there was no Herald, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram four years ago. And now it's become a way for students to really engage more with their school and what's going on in it. Yes, I agree. The old-fashioned or the traditional way of a newspaper being a printed one, a tangible one, is somehow missed and still needed. But I guess at this point, in order to make it come back in a way, we need to think about keeping it alive and keeping it effective as an outlet that engages the community so that way it doesn't get just tossed out and, and missed uh, after someone just do a quick skim on it. What are your most relevant experiences that you have seen, especially seeing the engagement from the students being part of it? So I would say there was a couple years back, um, there was a student who, um, and I imagine a lot of people from here with the Herald are going to know the story that I'm going to tell, but there was a student who wanted to write um, an opinion piece, right? Students often want to write opinion pieces, and that's fine. Sometimes they don't always come to fruition because I tell them that, you know, there, there was a student one year who wanted to write a story about the quality of the school lunch and in a not so positive light. And I said, that's a completely legitimate opinion to have. But what you have to do is you have to pay some effort to the other side of the story. You have to go down to our cafeteria employees and talk to them and find out like, okay, here, I'm writing this opinion piece about the cafeteria food. Why is it this way? What are the, some of the constraints you guys are working under? And the student didn't want to do that because it's a very difficult thing to do. So oftentimes, opinion pieces don't make it past that stage. This student wrote an opinion piece about the Hoyo Colleen contest, a subject near and dear to many, many people's hearts in this city. Um, and when he first approached me about it, I had had a very serious conversation with him. I said, listen, you're, this is going to rub some people the wrong way, and you're going to face some real... I would anticipate backlash from from the public from this. Like, it, it's you're not writing a, an English essay. You're writing something that's going to be put out there, and people are going to have a reaction. And he gave me the impression that he was ready and prepared for that. And even though I, I wasn't sure if he really knew what he was getting himself into, I thought it might be a nice teachable thing, right? So I let him put it out there. And to his credit, he handled any of the backlash really well. But I do think he was taken aback by how much there really was. And the class themselves, like we would come in every day and they, and they would be talking about, more people are talking about this. Um, it got more shares on Facebook. And I think that was the moment for a lot of students that they realized, like, this isn't just something I'm doing. Like, this is reaching people and the responsibility that goes along with that. I think that was a wake-up call for some. So, like I said, the student handled it really well. I think it was a good learning experience not only for him but for everybody in the class. I like when you mentioned having this conversation it's pretty much like any news editor will do in a newsroom, in a newspaper, TV channel, or radio station about covering a story. Just to clarify that, yeah, it's a service for the public to provide information. And even though it's an opinion, it is always just the right thing, the journalistic thing to offer that opportunity to all parties involved to have their say. So that way it's balanced and it is impartial and provides 
that openness for people to formulate their own opinion about this. Have you ever seen any reaction from staff members thinking that they are being censored? Because this sometimes could be seen from some people as a way of being censored or limited or directed towards specific things that can't or can or should be or shouldn't be covered. I don't think they've ever felt that way. Um, if they have, they've never expressed it to me. I think that I do hopefully try and make it known to them that I consider them journalists. And if they want to write something criticizing the school, criticizing the school system, criticizing the city, if they feel strongly about it and they think it's an injustice, they are more than encouraged to do so. I think the problem, like I said before, lies in when it gets to the point of actually engaging the entity that they take issue with, many of them are reluctant to do so. Partially, I think, because of their age and partially just because it's an intimidating thing to do, right? So... How is the dynamic right now with staff reporters of Holyoke Herald to cover the stories now that everything is online and utilizing social media as a tool for engagement? So how's the dynamic, how it works? What happens on a regular week of covering stories? One of the big challenges is in this program getting students to recognize um, what news is, right? The school can have, I don't even know if we have a chess club right now, but let's say the school has a chess club and they're having a fundraiser and they're washing cars. To approach a 16-year-old with that as an idea for a topic doesn't exactly, no offense to the chess club, but doesn't exactly excite them. And it can be tough for them to see the importance of even getting the word out there about things like that. But what we have is we have a storyboard in the room and things that might be relevant stories are put up there for them to regularly browse at their leisure. I try and tell them that they have to get a certain number in um, per quarter just because it is still a class and they have to grade them. And also to encourage them to go outside their comfort zone, right? If they feel like they have to do one and there's one up there that's not exciting, but I mean, that's part of being a real journalist, right? You're not in love with everything you cover. So they take it down. They go to one of our three managing editors. Um, we have three managing editors this year. One is Marty Keene. One is Siobhan Brennan, and the other is Megan McGinnis. They go to them and they sit down, and we've utilized Google Calendar, and they set up a deadline for when the rough draft is due. And so th because it's Google Calendar, I can see it, the editor-in-chief can see it, the managing editors can see it, everybody can see it. And then the author goes to work on the story, whether it involves interviewing somebody or doing some background. Um, I try to make myself available for them throughout the process. Um, that can be challenging. There's there's 30 of them, and that's sometimes I just don't have enough face time to see everybody on any given day. But um, and then they send in the rough draft to the managing editor. The managing editor um, signs off that they have completed it, and it goes in a little folder in the back. And then the editor in chief takes a look at it. And the editor in chief, we have two of them this year because it's become such a big job. Um, we have Bella Crashane and Emily McGinnis. The editor in chief's job is to read it for. The obvious things like clarity, spelling, and grammar, but also content too, like is something missing? Do we need to go back and revisit this? And if it's okay, the editor-in-chief goes ahead and logs on and posts it to the website. And the editor-in-chief also needs to coordinate a little bit with some of our photographers. Um, every story needs to have a picture that goes with it, otherwise it looks kind of funky on the website. So there's a lot going on. The class is workshop style. There's not a terrible amount of 
they sit in desks and listen to me talk. Um, we just don't have time for that. If somebody walked in, it would give the appearance of a newsroom or a workplace, right? Like people are doing different things, running around. So it's chaos um, sometimes, but I'm hoping that it's organized chaos more often than not. Well, you're basically describing a newsroom. The way and the dynamics of a newsroom and the structure of setting deadlines, organizing and sorting out everything, and pretty much having a staff working independently on their own assignments and getting back to a news editor so that way everything gets verified, checked, double-checked, triple-checked, approved, posted. And I believe this work shows. I'm glad to see how the audience and the public in our local community is following the Herald as, I don't like the term unofficial, just because it, it doesn't have the same stature in terms of recognition or reach as any other media source like the newspaper or the local TV channels or radio stations. Right. So how do you feel about the audience that follows the Herald? In terms of size or in terms of, I think... I think we do really well. I, like I said, thanks to Facebook, thanks to things like um, the website analytics, I can actually see um, how many people like engage with our content, click on the link and read it. I think one of the things I don't do well enough is share that information with the students. I think it's easy for me to check and be like, wow, this thing's got a lot of attention, but I don't necessarily always bring that to their attention for time constraints or whatever. I think that we are lucky enough to function in a community that has a lot of pride in Hoyok High School. I think that there's a lot of people invested in seeing it doing well, and there's a lot of people that care about the stories we're writing, right? Even high school sports, right? There are like alumni who love that when we update, like we have a Twitter dedicated just to sports, and I've had people approach me in Stop and Shop and say, thank you for doing that. Like I can't make every high school football game, but I love hearing how they did. In terms of what you said about, I don't know what that term you use, like legitimate news, I would say that it's awesome that some people have come to view us that way. There is only slightly one drawback to that. Um, sometimes people don't recognize that we do not have a paid professional staff, right? We're dealing with students and it's a class during the day and the Herald honestly ebbs and flows. There are some weeks or months where student interests wane because they have midterms or there's other things going on, right? Like, so it's one of those frustrating things where sometimes people lob criticism at the publication of the students without an appreciation. Like, you know, we meet 49 minutes a day in, in, in school. So it's not, it's, I, I can't send everybody to um, every event because most of them don't have cars. <laughs> so it's that kind of thing that I think has been the biggest struggle with the audience. But for the most part, people are really understanding about that. I see it as a double-edged situation, positive and negative. Yeah, the limitations and expectations of some sectors in the audience, expecting this to be as effective and as quick like any other established outlet media. But yeah, this doesn't have the same resources. They don't have full-time reporters working 24-7 for that, like they advertise their work. These are students. Sometimes people get offended, like why didn't you cover our, our event, and I said, you know, people, people weren't available. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what to tell you about that, but it has happened where people 
um, have even accused of like you're ignoring us on purpose. And I said, I promise you, we're not. I promise. I think that is the reason for having this podcast in existence because the actual media is the one that decides to ignore many aspects in our city that the Herald is covering like no one else. And I like the fact that the audience has so much expectation of the Herald because they see the work done by the students as a professional one, high quality news reporting. So that says so much of your work, your commitment, and of course, the high quality and commitment from every one of the staff reporters at the Herald. Yeah, I, I can't really say enough about all the students that I've had um, throughout the four or five years I've been doing this in this program. Um, I think that I've made some of the strongest connections with those students, partially because they can take the class multiple times so I can see them progress through high school, right? We've had people come in as little baby sophomores and leave as seniors that are taller than I am. Uh, um, so I, I I keep in touch with many of the Herald members after they leave. I like to see, you know, even if it's from a distance, like to see like the progress they're making, the schools they're going to, things like that. At home, I have uh, a plaque for every single year I've ever been a Herald advisor and all the students' names are on it. So I get to look back and remember them. But I think we have had a really, really awesome, high-quality group of students consistently in the class, and I've been very lucky. Um, I think like we are proof of some of the, the capabilities of Hoyoke students, right, which people unfairly have a tendency to look down upon. And I'm happy to be a part of a program that kind of tries to change that narrative. So what's right now? in the future of the Herald, and in general for Holyoke High and also even Dean Tech? So there's a lot going on. Um, that's, a, that's a big question. <laughs> um, um, I'm happy to be a part of the school's uh, current efforts around secondary redesign. I stepped up in the role of lead teacher of one of the academies they're designing, partially because I saw the benefits to a program like the Herald and the way they were describing this new academy, describing this new academy system to me, kind of, I saw an opportunity to take something like the Herald and make it bigger. Um, I think that we have done a good job with engaging the students like in our class and I think that doing that on a larger scale would only help people stay in school, less people drop out. I'm all about student engagement. So the academy that I'm currently leading is the Performing and Media Arts Academy. There are aspects of the performing arts in it, but we also have a specific pathway for media arts, both video, audio, written. And I'm really happy to take what has been a program in isolation and try to make it something embedded in the school just to try to make the student experience better, right? Like that's uh, my only motivation of being involved in this. And and as for the hurdle right now is going through new different experiences and experiments. One of them has been a recent interaction with two of the staff members being part of this podcast, creating new content. And now we are kind of expanding that idea. Yeah, yeah. So we, um, we actually launched the idea of doing podcasts um, last year, and I, they were really well done. If you listen to them, they actually sound really impressively professional. Um, we had two students, Alex Glanville and Summer Keppel, who interviewed 
the two candidates for mayor a couple years back. And for one of the candidates, I actually maintain to this day that that was the best interview he ever did. At least it's the best one I heard. So our podcast was, was doing well, but this opportunity to have students come down to the Gandhara Youth Center and work with something that's as well produced as Radio Plasma and learn some of the tricks of the trade, I think just adds a whole other aspect to this. And it's one that, as it exists right now, the school couldn't provide. And I'm really happy to see it. And I think that that's also one of the biggest strengths for me um, as we work on this redesign is a chance to look for places to supplement what we don't have. Like this is a perfect example. Um, and I know Faroz and Owen have told me that they've gotten a lot out of their experience here. And I love listening to the podcast they do. And I especially love that you can see the progression. You can hear in the first one, naturally it's to be expected, but they're a little stilted. You can see they're a little nervous. And then as you listen through and go on, they get much more relaxed and conversational. Um, and I think that that ability, whether or not they go into the media or radio, I think that ability to converse with people naturally is just going to be an amazing skill. It's going to help them whatever they do. So I'm really looking forward to getting more students involved in this. And just an example of it today, we are having this session being recorded, being captured, and sound engineered by one of the staff members of the Herald. So we've got um, one of our managing editors, Siobhan Brennan. Hi. <laughs> Um, this is a really awesome opportunity that I wouldn't have gotten otherwise. And throughout this whole interview, I've been sitting at the computer watching the levels and trying to figure out how the mics work, which is a really awesome opportunity that, like I said, I wouldn't have been able to get otherwise. And this is a learning experience for all of us because it also shows how much of the potential that the staff reporters have shown with the platform that you have helped build at Holyokai. And now to be able to expand and enhance that experience for themselves and also for the public through creation of audio right now in the podcast format and possibly soon also including video as well, that I believe is going gonna, is gonna to be an amazing way to have Holyokai represented in the media in the most independent way and also in the most professional one when we talk about journalism. These students are, for me, even more professional than any of the reporters I've seen in our region working on covering news. This coming school year, um, the 2017-2018 school year, um, I'm really excited that not only are we expanding more into doing podcasting and audio through this partnership, but we are, um, we've started a new class called Video Journalism, where another group of students are going to work on covering content using cameras and video editing and, and more visual things. Um, our video production teacher, Dave Langlois, is um, heading that up, and I'm really excited to, to team with him. He's going to be like my co-herald advisor. And um, I'm anticipating that we might have more video to go along with our written stories, right, in addition to our podcast interviews. And I'm just really happy to see that this little idea from four years ago is really expanding. I'm really proud of the students, and I think this is a really good opportunity. If you, if you look at our website, um, we have a little tagline up there. It's telling Hoyokai's story since 1898, and the 1898 part is cool because it's been around for so long, but the more important part to me is the beginning, telling Hoyokai school story. I think people don't get enough opportunities to tell their own story, especially in the Hoyok school system. 
uh, more often than not lately, our story has been told for us. And I think it's really, really exciting that we have this ever-growing platform to tell our own story. So at the risk of a shameless plug, if, if you're discovering the Herald for the first time, um, you can like us on Facebook at the Hoyokai Herald. Follow us on Twitter at HHS Herald. Um, we also have our sports coverage on Twitter at HHS Herald Sports. And we look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, and our website, radioplasma.com, is linked to the stories that all Holy Herald staff reporters will be creating for the audio and video content, so that way you can get that information from the source as well. It's part of the same thing. We are joining efforts and creating this platform, multi-platform of media, to have a local coverage of stories that are meaningful to our community, to our city, made by our youth. And I also can't let this end, Johan, without personally thanking you too, because you have embraced this idea. I could tell from our first conversation that you've embraced this idea much more than most people ever have, and you're dedicating your time and effort to making this better, and you don't have to. So I know the students who work with you are appreciative, and I am too, so thank you. Well, I want to thank Jörg Shane for his time and commitment and dedication for the youth in Holyoke High and the Holyoke Herald, and also to the students that are part of this summer crash workshop for journalism and podcasting. That is another commendable thing and recognize how youth are willing to sacrifice time of their summer to learn and to improve their skills and knowledge about something that they are passionate about. And you never know how many of them are going to be ending up utilizing these skills for something really powerful and meaningful in their future, even if it is not in the media. So thank you for that, Joe. And I expect for all of the students being part of the Holyoke Herald to be also here and you will be listening to their voices and their stories. Stay tuned. The story will continue. This episode of the Radio Plasma podcast was produced at the Gandara Youth Development Center here in Holyoke, Mass. Our sound engineer and associate producer is Jovan Brennan. I'm your producer and host, Johan Rashivega. Thank you for listening.